0: what's going on everybody welcome back to bottom sprocket episode two of season two Uh, are we going to call it season two now it's season two
1: (laughs) not negative one or zero we'll just just, we're going to stick to
0: conventional naming (laughs) structures this is episode two of season two the reawakening bottom sprocket and today we're just going to dive right in with probably some inflammatory statements here the motorcycle industry has some pretty huge issues (laughs) Uh, we've got a lot of different unique perspectives on this. I think Josh has some really awesome insider insight. I think Whitney is like the ultimate motorcycle outsider when it comes to this sort of stuff. And then I'm just some goon who rides motorcycles all the time. And I've just sort of aggregated some thoughts on this. Uh, and you know, I don't really know a whole lot. I just know what I have
1: but we have a lot of opinions
0: we, we yeah we're we're the ultimate in just internet shouter about <laughs> things errs and we just we know we know what we know we know what we like and we know what the industry's got on offer. Uh, Josh is probably the most educated of the three of us on this subject, which is Aww. why. It's awesome to have you on this uh, episode here because I think that we're gonna learn some fun stuff
2: yeah, I'm excited to share my take on it. Um, yeah, it was interesting to me when you when you said that that was kind of your you had this question like, is the motorcycle industry dying? and it's you you engage with so many manufacturers and you see so many bikes as they're coming out when they're coming out that uh, it's really really interesting to me that, that you were like, what's going on And so that's a yeah, that's what we're gonna dig into a little bit more.
0: So on that note, let's roll the intro and let's just dive on into this. One.
2: Whitney, have you uh, made any uh, any decisions on music? I, I want to know what the vibe's going to be.
1: <laughs> what do you want the vibe to be?
2: I, I'm completely leaving you in creative control with that. <laughs> It'll be better than I could imagine.
0: <laughs> I've got all sorts of metal Christmas music from Artlist. <laughs>
1: are you already working on christmas shit no oh
0: i just i really like it and so i was like let's throw it in there we're
1: all desperately waiting for christmas so because when christmas (laughs)
0: comes it'll be 70 degrees yeah (laughs) yikes not for me yeah no josh will be you know digging his jigsers out of snow uh or no you'll be you'll be riding sleds i believe is the proper term
2: be I'm thinking about making like a or snow bike, honestly. Yeah, that would be would that be sick? Are you going to timber sled it? Yeah, yeah. Put a track on it. And, nice. and a ski up front and see what we can do.
0: That'll be, be more so innovation cool. than Suzuki ever brings to one of their motorcycles. Burn. Which yeah. I think that right there is a, a <laughs> great way to just dive right into this whole thing. Because that's one of my initial issues. But I wanted to pass this off to Josh first. Basically, the, the genesis of the idea, as you said in the intro, was I had been like, is there a real issue in the motorcycle industry? Is it dying? Is it changing in a negative way? And uh, what might be causing some of these changes that we see, some lack of innovation, some uh, just really safe anti-risk just stances you see from motorcycle companies going back for years? And Josh, you are embedded. You're you're our spy inside the Borg within the motorcycle industry. I'd be really interested to hear what you see and what you feel, especially on the dealership side.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, you know, I can't, I can't speak for any manufacturers. I can't, you know, I'm not speaking for GForce or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't feel that way actually uh i I don't think it's dying i think it's really i think the companies that we're used to um, being dominant are really having a tough time adapting to the new realities of you know especially our market here in the u.s uh i i think that you know we have amazing bikes being built that are sitting on showroom floors and things that people are buying in crates and having them flown from around the world to build in their garage they're selling like crazy right now um yeah i think that we're going to i i think we're going to see a lot less need for amazing big badass high performance like um type of motorcycles. I don't, I don't think, I think we're going to keep making them and we'll keep seeing them. We're seeing one-offs and special and limited editions that look and feel, and are absolutely incredible machines, but that market can only be so big and the growing market is, is, is reasonable and efficient and economical transportation because those segments we are seeing a ton of growth in. Um, but also, there's such a cultural issue right now in in motorcycling in the U.S. People are so aggressive and hostile towards like uh like electric vehicles specifically. Um, and harkening back to a time when like people could buy motorcycles that, as they related to their income, were decently expensive. Um, and nowadays, there's so few people. I think they can go out and and. It makes sense to them to finance a a fifteen or twenty thousand dollar motorcycle. Um, that you know, all of our all of the brands that we love and, and have kind of been so dominant for the last twenty years, thirty years, um, they're not they're not moving quick enough. They're not they're not keeping people, and they're not they're not grabbing as many of the new people getting on two wheels as they should be.
0: So we know you can't speak for G Force, but I'd be interested to see just as you're like anecdotal because G Force. Got KTM, you've got a couple of the big four, you've got Suzuki, Yamaha, and Kawasaki, right? Not Honda. Yep, not Honda. And then you've got Indian on the other side of the dealership. Yep. What what do you see most people coming in and buying from the dealership? Like what what when somebody walks into G Force, what are they gonna walk out or ride out on? or do they ride out on anything at all? Or do they just load it up in the back of their, you know, toy hauler?
2: Yeah, we have, we have a unique mix of customers for sure. We're not like the primary street motorcycle dealership here in Denver. That's fake Myers down South from us. They, they call themselves like a motorcycle mall or whatever. And it's just lines and lines of hundreds of street bikes. Um, we do a lot more on the off-road segment, but we definitely sell a lot of street bikes. And what's interesting is that street bikes have not dipped nearly as hard as all of the other segments in um, this year. Or um, I mean, they saw incredible growth during the pandemic um, and the manufacturers have just now kind of caught up in the past six months with delivery times and fulfilling you know, what you'd expect from that buying experience um but motor street motorcycles are steady if not growing um we do a ton of dirt bikes as well but i feel like that's that's kind of a different conversation
0: um i think it's important to note here when you say street bikes you mean something that comes like you're talking everything from indian to super sports you know cruisers to super sports encapsulate street bikes right
2: yeah yeah absolutely um
0: you guys also you have PWCs, you got snow, snow, uh, mobiles. You've got, uh, yep. AT side by sides, ATVs. We also have pontoon boats. Yeah. yeah so th- that's the, that's kind of a delineation that we should be clear about. And I think that it's interesting seeing that there may be a slight rise in street like purchases, because I really feel like from where I've been sitting feels like there's been a dirt awakening um, uh, through a lot of people that I know.
1: Dude, I didn't. My buddy went and trained with a MotoGP coach. Mm-hmm. And he came back. And he was like, dude, I never rode a, like a fucking track bike. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we did only flat track. That's all that we did out there. Dirt and flat track. He was like, I was so confused. But then you <laughs> dive in and see Valentino Rossi's ranch. And you see that's where all the MotoGP racers are hanging out. I didn't know that that's like where you cut your chops.
0: Yeah, because you can experience a lot of the mechanics that happen on a race bike in smaller, slower speed formats. Because, you know, you get to manage tire slip off road at 20 miles an hour versus 120 miles an hour on a racetrack.
1: And I feel like America, in in many facets, is a total void of knowledge. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, we're like, here, here's me, fresh, uh, you know, motorcycle ID. Here's an XSR900. Ooh, okay. You know, it's just like, there's no... <laughs> I thought dirt bike riding was for the kids who lived out in the suburbs and 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 just did like motocross races.
0: We are blissful and powerful <laughs> in our ignorance.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I'd do anything to to do it backwards, to yes. start on the dirt, and and somebody just tell me like, yeah, wait a second, here here's what you should be doing. No one did that. No, no media outlets did that. No one at the dealership told me that. Like it, it literally took somebody flying to Spain and coming back and telling me that that's what was going on. Um, and I think that that's infecting a lot of people kind of all at once.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I also, so this is kind of my take on this. If will if you'll permit me to transition on there. So, my take Permission is... Permission granted. Thank you. Uh, so, I didn't... Fe- I don't feel like motorcycling is really on the rise. I don't feel like we're adding new people to the ranks. I don't see... Maybe it's just because I ha- of the audience that watches a lot of my videos, it feels like it's a bunch of people who've been riding forever. And that's really cool, but it doesn't feel like we're reaching... And it feels like newer riders are more easily turned off because the newer generation is looking at motorcycling and they're like, "Well, I could get splattered, and that doesn't that that doesn't seem like fun." Um, and I I can't blame them. I mean, <laughs> the the forever wars and all the political horse shit that we've been dealing with being risk averse makes sense. And then we also see a lot of risk aversion in motorcycle companies. Think about the confluence of everybody going to 270 degree parallel twins in whatever form or fashion. You've got CF Moto with their 450, which is a great mill. It's a fun bike. Uh, Then you move on up to the MT-07 and then you've got KTM, Suzuki. Everybody's moving towards this big bore parallel twin. And a lot of that is driven by emissions. Um, it's easier to make a motorcycle meet emissions when the displacement is bigger and still maintain the same power. Mm-hmm. Same deal with the Super Duke R going from 1290 to 1390. It's not about, <laughs> and I said this kind of towards the end of the video, it's not about a growth in power. You can expect maybe 10 horsepower tops probably a little bit more torque but uh it's more about meeting emissions and so, so we're seeing companies that are just sort of abandoning the things that made them different and going towards stuff that makes them very the same and there's not a lot of passion like it's one of the things i said about the gsx8s when i wrote it and i told Josh this is it's, it doesn't feel like the motorcycle that I would want to keep forever. You know, it feels like it feels like a bike that's not temporary and not cheap, but it doesn't feel like it's like a, a a BRZ, a, a BRZ from the car world yeah, it's fun, it's flashy, but you're not going to keep...
1: it. I thought you were having a stroke and you meant to say the DRZ, and then I was like, what does that... That is not your forever bike. (laughs) No, God, no.
0: But yeah, like you you get a little Toyota or Subaru BRZ, and uh, you have your fun, you drift it a little bit, and then you get rid of it after a couple of years.
1: Jake, how am I supposed to have a forever bike when we live within 20 miles of RSV4s, S1000RRs, um, any motocross bike... We have a huge range now of motorcycles. Like, think about get on ADV fest. Mm-hmm. Now you've got all these ADV bikes. It's almost it's not necessarily like we're going forward or that there's anything super interesting. Or, and when when I think of that and what you're talking about, are you talking about like the early '90s, mid '90s, early 2000s sport bikes when there was just like Crazy, different stuff when it came to engine design happening, or like what are you um surmising like so
0: I guess my my thing is I look and I see uh you know back in the day, you had six hundred one thousand they were all in line fours, you had the six hundred one thousand uh sport bikes, then next to it were the six hundred one thousand naked bikes, and then you had. Your dirt bikes, there, there was a little bit of something for everybody from every manufacturer. And I think that there still is that to an extent, but we are seeing even more homologation towards stuff like the parallel twin. Think of how many motorcycles now just have a parallel twin.
1: Right, and so now you're kind of like buying based off of aesthetics or what brand dedication you have to whatever manufacturer versus like
0: and when it came to those inline fours there was there was a lot of stuff that set them apart like honda honda had a very they they were it was very honda the engine just worked you could beat the shit out of it and it would never break down then yamaha was like fuck you crossplane and they made probably one of the coolest sounding motors ever and then kawasaki just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and now they have a supercharged one you know there's there there were those differences there but we're not we don't we don't really see a lot of that nowadays i don't think it feels like we're getting into like just we need as much horsepower as we can get and you need as much technology as you can get and then they all kind of start to feel the same it's
1: almost like what happens in politics What we're seeing is not only natural to some degree because of just entropy and time passing, but those people are still in charge. And what happens as they age, they get boring as fuck and they get lazy and they're like, yeah, whatever, do the thing, put the supercharger in it and slap a green sticker on it. There you go. Versus like, what were they thinking back in their 30s?
2: So, yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of what I was just thinking about as well. That like we saw some major mistakes from big companies in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties and the early two thousands. And and for them it's learning how to be profitable, you know, because that's their goal. Boring. Well, their goal is <laughs> not to make dream motorcycles there's some boutique motorcycles making $80,000 bikes that that we can't afford they're still making like dream motorcycles but like that's you know after enough time of just trying to make sure that each new project is more profitable than the last like this is kind of what we're gonna get so
1: dinosaurs must die
0: (laughs) yeah I mean (laughs) we could do an entire thing about electric (laughs) bikes. And I do want to get there later in this segment, because I think that electric bikes have so much to offer, but I, I would like to talk just a second about what you were saying with regards to people getting more conservative as they get older, right? I don't actually think people get more conservative as they get older. I think what we actually see is at least in terms of politics, we see people the, the people around them moving more in a liberal direction not they they stay where they are Every, the overton window shifts so i think what we're what i'm seeing is we're seeing the motorcycle industry stay where it is and then desires shifting around it and them not responding or at least not responding quick enough
1: so you think the the masses their desires are shifting because of the conservative conservatism of the manufacturer.
0: Yeah, I mean you think about uh the SV650. Everybody liked the SV650 because it was a twin and it had a lot of great aftermarket support. GSX uh, Suzuki is moving away from it. My understanding is that it failed to meet Euro 5 and Suzuki was like, "Well, fuck it. Bye-bye bye, so- SV650, GSX8S."
1: It also seems... But they also got rid of their MotoGP team. I, I also wonder, too, what sort of electric dreams they have on the horizon. Because it just kind of seems like they're pulling away um, in a lot of motorcycle-driven aspects. I feel like...
0: So, one of the things that I really like about uh, Italian manufacturers is everything they do is born of some kind of racing. Yes. Everything, it's in their blood. It's, it, it, Italians... Regardless of what they, what whatever it is, whether it's Ferrari, whether it's Lamborghini, whether it's some little tiny two-cylinder car that you know fits on the little cobblestone Italian streets, or any motorcycle, it's all born out of a desire to go racing, and that's what pushed them into doing crazy, crazy stuff. And that's why Ducati is now so dominant in GP because they're just like fuck you, race. (laughs)
1: Yeah, meanwhile, you know, it's funny. I keep thinking about, um, let's say, in the 60s, the big four, the Japanese manufacturers hit the market and squashed a lot of Spanish and Italian manufacturers and said, fuck you, watch this.
0: Like Bull Taco got completely crushed exactly. by
1: the big and, and, and the Japanese came in with, with bikes that were more reliable, cheaper, they could manufacture them a lot faster, and they just dominated, but you lost a lot of the niche. Mm-hmm. Um, brands due to that where was I going so now they've dominated for a while and so now what what stands out the ones who didn't give up on that that racing bloodline Mm
0: -hmm. and I feel like we are seeing motorcycles get more expensive than people can really afford um especially here in the states motorcycling is a it's a pastime it's not a mode of transportation per se whereas in like europe people commute every single day on motorcycles yes we have those people here in the states too there's just not as prevalent and so people look at motorcycles as a toy and especially when it comes to electric bikes
1: yeah thank you world war ii by the way for the the yeah. interstate complex
2: mm-hmm.
0: when it comes to motorcycles here and electric bikes people are like i'm not paying twenty two thousand dollars for toy right and people are seeing this sort of at least as I'm as I look at it I see this homologation in the motorcycle industry where nothing is really f- sticking out to me everything is so technologically driven and everything is so fine as to sandblasted away a lot of personality that I just want a used bike I want to go get a cheap used bike a lot of character that it is it as good? No. But it's still a lot of fun to ride.
1: Yeah, I wonder how long we can keep going the way that we're going before people get bored. I mean, I do see more people on ADV bikes. I do see more people on dirt bikes. I do see more. There's more R9T variants now. There's more Neo Retro stuff kind of coming out. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's void of character or any sort of ingenuity.
0: So where do you land on that, Josh? Because I specifically remember talking to you about your GSX-8S and I was like, it's an awesome bike. I really like this thing, Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't have any personality. It's, it's a Suzuki. It's great. It's phenomenal, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't have character.
2: Yeah. It's, it's character for me is it balance and that's, that's one thing that I like in bikes that I, I don't think you value quite as much. You like kind of like a standout feature that like blows your hair back. And if there's other things around that, that don't meet that level, that's okay. But like you, you have that one thing that you really love, whether it's the sound or, you know, the power or uh, the chassis or, you know, whatever it is, but, but the 8S specifically, um, I think that, it and it it I don't think it meets the same mark of like time proof and um how much it's gonna be how well it's gonna be received as S V six fifty did, but I think it's still so well balanced and gives you the things that you like really benefit from, like the quick shifter or the really, really nice dash, and like lets the sacrifices be the things that we know you don't really need, like crazy suspension or um i don't know
0: doesn't have cruise control either
2: <laughs> doesn't have cruise control yeah um Which or like you know a, a, a cluster or things on it that aren't from a parts bin like right. or like look this cluster is on every single suzuki okay that's the one you're gonna use <laughs> yeah, uh, but also the price point on it you know my payment is so manageable on that bike compared to i could have easily gotten a bike that was twice as expensive um, and I think that's I think that's somewhere that that motorcycling might go like our generation is not doing the same um, conversion to electric that the generation that's going to come after us is mm-hmm. the, the number of people who are in high school right now on one of those like a seron type e-bike or uh, even just pedal assisted mountain bike. Their familiarity with that when once they're of the riding age is going to really well translate to uh, a full-size electric motorcycle whether that's just in your habits of, of understanding and, and being okay with charging or just you know, you're you okay not having a little gas motor underneath you um, and and I think the motorcycle industry knows that but like I can't convince riders right now to go the direction that we have to go but you know we'll, we'll play the long game and it's okay. Those guys are going to keep buying the bikes that that they need to buy. And we're going to still keep making them. You're still seeing it. But um, I think that we're going to see a lot of shifting happening in, in what motorcycle manufacturers can make and can get away with. And I don't think they're going to need to win everyone over because the, you know, the pool of of, of 18 year olds and 25 year olds who want to get into motorcycling um, it's going to change. It's not going to be us.
0: So, What, what do you see as like, if the motorcycle companies were going to offer something new for that crowd, what do you, what do you think it would be? Do you think it's that Kawasaki, uh, hybrid bike? Do you think it's, do you think it's something that's designed to be more environmentally conscious or something that's just
2: smaller and cheaper? Yeah, I think it'll have to be cheaper and more practical for sure. Um. I think something like a small, lightweight, capable electric thing, kind of like what Can-Am has gotten at with their prototypes. Um, I have no idea how fun those things are gonna be to ride or how easy they will be to live with. Um, But I think something right in that, that's like a clear step above um, those, you know, a small frame, high power electric mountain bike, essentially like a Suron. Um, Like if you imagine that being the dirt bike and then you imagine like a dual sport DRZ being the like next step bigger, I think that's going to, we need steps to get people from those machines to something like um, a uh, a live wire or a zero or something like that. But even zero is making those. Yeah. Yeah. They're
0: making much smaller stuff too. Except they're they're like FRX that that off road thing the supermoto has like sixty miles of range. It's like 80, yeah, tiny, tiny, terrible range.
1: Yeah, that's the bummer about electric is it's right now it's the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the the oil tycoon country, mm-hmm. where the infrastructure sucks. Yeah, and. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you've got these awesome bikes, but you don't, well, it's going to take nine hours to charge it. And you're like, God damn it. Oh, I need to get a converter for my dryer plug in order to plug it into my garage. And
0: so let me tell you exactly how long it takes me to charge the live wire on 120. It takes me over 11 hours, 11 and a half hours to charge it in my garage. It
1: has an existentialist. Yeah, it just, it unearths just the bigger problem and the bigger, and it's cool to have the live wire and to check it out or to check out these other electric bikes, but you are stuck on a fossil fuel driven grid that can't deliver what you need. And then on top of that, half of, in Texas at least, half of the charging stations you're going to go to are either full or broken.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was a little story time. I had the CEO of Energica Stefano Bonatti here mm-hmm. in Texas and he he brought the Ava Rebella out for me to check out and he he wanted to show me how it works <laughs> he's, he's just awesome dude Stefano's awesome um and I think I'm going to hang out with him at um
1: Moto America
0: Moto America and uh he, the biggest thing he wanted to show me was the recharge time And we went out to uh, an HEB that had a charge station and we plugged it in a couple of times. He ran his card and it just wouldn't work. And (laughs) he ended up calling their like support line. And we we were there for a while trying to figure it out. And then we ended up having to go to another charging port, which was right down the road, but it wasn't at HEB. It was in some some back lot of some, place some random Dude, thing
1: you also have what i just encountered with an electric car is the points of failure there's way too many there's my car the chevy spark that just fucking shit the bed every time i try to plug it in then there's the um finding a backlot charger that wouldn't work and they're like call this number and i'm like what are you gonna have somebody out in tomorrow i don't yeah. I, like i don't know what i'm supposed to do here and then the app wasn't working Yep. Okay, too many points of failure. And, and it sucks because you want you just want to ride the damn thing.
0: So here's where I think electric bikes are really going to take off. And this is why I'm so excited about them.
1: They're going to have plutonium in them?
0: Well, Yeah, I mean, that'll be really great. <laughs> I, I, can't, I It'll probably have to be a fusion oh reactor, not a fission reactor. Please.
1: Right?
0: Yeah, get, get me riding around on a tiny little <sighs> nuclear reactor. But before we get into the Fallout universe... <laughs>
1: Um, Which is what we all want. Yeah. <laughs> kidding.
0: Uh, I think that the best thing right now is where we're seeing the Ultra B from Suron and the, the Storm B. That line is so cool to me because you can put street wheels on it, you can get supermoto rims. Hmm. They're light, they're fast as fuck, and you can pull the batteries out. You just get one battery. You pl- you plonk that one out. You put a new one in, and so.
1: You have to carry a battery.
0: Or you just leave one at the office. Okay. Or you know, like if you're commuting. Or if to, we have from, in-
2: infrastructure for it. There can be stations, just like a gas station. You you go to a battery station.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's uh oh shoot, this is this is coming out of, off the dome, but I know this is a thing. KTM, I believe Piaggio, maybe Vespa. As a result of being part of Piaggio and some other company in Europe, they're making battery stations. Or yes, pull, like a drop like off. Yes, where you have you basically own the bike, but you don't own the battery, and you basically get some like subscription. And you're like, all right, battery in, get a you know this one's old, pull it out, put it in, get a new one, and so you you have a bike with and battery, but you don't keep the battery, you just swap it out. Right, and so. That kind of hot swap idea makes so much sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we focus less on ultra high capacity and we focus more on a charging uh, uh, on a port where you can just get these lower capacity, but faster charge batteries for whatever little bike you've got, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like when I I get this solar, the solar eclipse, I'm going to try to get a second battery for it so i can just you know i'm i'm done with this one plonk it out put it in the house and start it charging and i've got another one ready to rock and roll
1: yeah i was talking to one of our discord members full metal about it's like we've kind of really tapped um i'm not an electrician but it's just like the the rate how fast we can get electricity from something we're going to have to see another gigantic step in innovation in order for that to like really go anywhere. So we do have to sidestep it and, and kind of come up with a different scenario, which sounds like battery swapping if you're on a bike and not a car.
2: Totally could work. Yeah. Hey, give me one second. I'm going to swap a battery real quick.
1: Okay. <laughs> Speaking of swapping batteries.
2: So
0: we've been, the nature of conversation is waxing and waning, and we tangented our way through a ton <laughs> of different stuff here. And I think I'd like to bring us back to closing arguments. So I guess the question here is, does the motorcycle industry have a problem? Does it need to change? Is is it okay to just keep going as it is and still have a future here? And if it needs to change, what should it be doing? So uh, who wants to who wants to give their closing art?
1: I don't. It it feels a little bit like oversaturation. There's a lot going on. You and I live in America. We can go buy whatever the hell we want, whether it's at TJ's, AF1, or Woods. Like, right. We could buy whatever we want, and we can have a blast. You and I are a little bit different because of the amount of bikes that we've ridden. You are looking for specific stuff, and you have giblets giblet tingling bikes that you've ridden in the past that you're kind of like you know what i'm going to turn this car around and we're going to go back to the things that really get me going yeah. because once you ride a million super bikes you're like cats yeah, are great they're at they're all the Fireblade fine the s1000 is great like they all they all do the thing
0: they're kick ass and they're so fast and they're all awesome but you can't use them anywhere
1: you can't use them anywhere and and you really have to nitpick what you don't like and it's just it's singularity there's yeah. a singularity happening um but it's oversaturated and then it's controlled by people who are arguably older they've been in charge for a long time and cocaine is still illegal and so <laughs> so there's like a lot of there's a lot of things coming together and we're kind of over here crying about having access to all these bikes <laughs> and being like oh wow like I, I don't know it's it's boring um, I don't, it's
0: definitely going to be a little bit of crocodile tears. So I, I get it. If people think we're a little bit spoiled
1: and it's interesting to see in America, we're stuck with a crappy grid for charging bikes. So it is a very strange place to be. And we're all going to like, I, I'm assuming Josh as well, like, oh. Uh, You know, back in when I was a kid, they were gas powered and they made sounds. Now they don't make any goddamn sound. And, and, um, but we still have the bikes that we care about in the garage. So are we reluctantly being pulled forward to some like silent, but you know, well, this is nice. This is a good ride. I don't know. It's, uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm excited. Where are we going to be in 20 years? I have no idea.
0: Do you fear electrification? Do you do you like do you are you going to be sad when if and when electric bikes become the norm and gas becomes
1: I mean as long as I can hold on to my my Spark peeling, whatever. You know what? I've never tried a Suron. I'd be I'm I'm curious.
0: I'd be I'd love when I get the solar I'd love to get you. On it.
1: Just yeah, just I like the idea of of kids ripping around a little like what would be considered like cafe racer scramblers back in the early sixties, just Mm -hmm. zipping around and having fun and beating the crap out of them. If that's our new one. Well, that sounds cool. I'm not super against that, but yeah, of course I'm going to miss the, the clutch. Like, I don't understand DCT. I don't understand why you'd want to ride a DCT bike, but I'm like, Oh, it makes me feel old when I say that or something. I don't, (laughs) I don't really know why and I can't justify it, but, um, we have so many options and as long as i have access to those options and you can pry the ice from my cold dead hands then it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what about you
0: so i feel like my biggest issue is that there's a lot of we we have reached that singularity point especially with hyperbikes where you just you're riding a computer you're not riding a motorcycle right the computer's doing right. all the work for you, and it's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. It's really cool <laughs> to be like, good. oh, just can hear 200 horsepower when I wick the throttle open, and the bike's like, yeah, but I've got you limited to 80. You know, yeah,
1: or you can go in and really customize it. I think that that's cool, but it, it's a different kind of cool, and it's a little bit niche, and I don't know if everybody wants it.
0: And then I also find that there's a there's a little bit of just stale motorcycles. There's not a single motorcycle in the new lineup where I'm like, I have to have that. The last motorcycle that I was like, I have to own one was a
1: versus Six Fifty.
0: No, It was, it was actually a street rod. The first motorcycle was also the last one where I was like, I have to have it. And that was the street rod from Harley Davidson. It, it looked cool. It looked different. It was something new from the company, but also still classic in its own way. Um, and nobody liked it. It got critically panned, and it canceled it in 2020. Um, it ran for like three years. So uh, there's a, there's a lot of motorcycles where I look at it and I'm like, okay, I rode the ZX-6 from 2018. I don't need to ride the ZX-6 from 2024. No, it's not any different. No, yeah. um, and there's so... Changes in in modern motorcycles are refinement. It's not these big sweeping changes that you used to see. It's uh, it's like an artist taking that like super fine razor to their statue or whatever, and they're like, "I need to just have that now." It's done. Or wait, hold on. There's one small imperfection. Polish that off. Um, I like bikes. For the- looking at the bikes that are in the garage right now clearly i have aspirations for motorcycles that are flawed (laughs) and motorcycles nowadays are just so damn good that they're they don't really excite beyond just having a crap ton of power and that gets
1: old yeah
0: that gets old um but that's that's me as somebody who just like (laughs) i spend all day thinking about motorcycles (laughs) And it's like if and I have to if, them and if I have to think about the Versus 650 again. Um,
1: Sinpaku, is that what it's called? Sepaku. Sepaku. <laughs>
0: uh, but I also think one thing that we're overlooking a little bit. I wish we would have gotten into it more. But we could go for hours on this, oh, so I don't sure. want to. Is the coming Chinese bikes? Oh, yeah. um They're they're going to change a lot of what's going on in Japan because they're offering stuff for cheaper. They're pushing the boundaries in terms of price. Everything else is the same. They're cloning a lot of stuff, but they're doing it cheaper. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's really going to cause a lot of people to gravitate towards them because yes, are there so many geopolitical issues? Yeah, but most people aren't tied into that. People don't think about the
1: lithium fields,
0: the lithium fields, or any of that—they think about, ooh, that motorcycle's the, cool. I want to buy it.
1: Or the cobalt mines, or the, you know.
0: Yeah. So there's <laughs> so much. There's so much going on that we as consumers are not, uh, not conditioned to think about. And uh, there's a yeah. lot of that with the Chinese motorcycles coming, they make the the bikes they make are great. We both rode the ibex, and then we both rode the CF Moto uh, four hundred and fifty SS, and it, it was
2: fun. And their their growth in U.S. with CF Moto's done in uh, off roads or like ATVs, UTVs, and now done they did it again, and they did it in motorcycles, um, is very impressive. But it's I think it's just indicative of the the conditions of the US, you know, we're limited by our perspective as motorcyclists who kind of grew up in a very exciting heyday of motorcycling in uh, the US, you know, we had posters of, you know, (laughs) (laughs) K5 Gixxers. But I, I don't think that the US can support this like ultra innovative, ultra exciting motorcycle industry. I don't I don't think we can do it anymore cuz the bikes that are sitting at G-Force we've got a KTM RC8C that we cannot figure out how to sell Dude, how because it's it? it's $40,000. Oh, we have two ZH oh, sitting there and no cuz no one's going to come by. And we've had a ZH2 SE, UI Innovation, they have superchargers and I don't think that we have the same the, the the people who are coming to the market they're struggling with rent and they're not they're not in the position to buy those things. Um but but at the same time you see yeah you see eighty thousand dollar bikes you see the Lamborghini um, Ducatis and things like that and those those are able to move but not in the same quantities that, that will reach the motorcycles that most most new riders will be able to attain.
1: I was about to say because rich riders suck at riding so they're not buying RC eight eight seats. <laughs> Yeah, they're buying everything. Though. I mean,
2: yeah, anything available, they're just buying. But uh, yeah, especially the track bikes. Yeah, like most, if you have that kind of money and are that into track riding and going fast, like you understand that you'll probably be able to build and go faster on an R6 than you would on that bike. But it's, it's awesome. It's an amazing thing what KTM did. And it's so fun to sit there and look at it. Uh, and it was probably an incredible project to be an engineer on. But I don't think that... Um, you can do some crazy stuff like that. And in the U S it's not going to happen. Now the global motorcycle market is projected to grow. It's projected to grow like 8% by 2030. Um, but that's because there's rising middle classes all around the world and just not Not really here. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at, uh, Harley Davidson in Q2, uh, of this year, they grew 24% in Asia Pacific because of their Collaboration with Hero and with Q J with their yeah. badged bikes. And that's that's their biggest growth segment. America grew I think one percent um year over year. And they had they had more unit sales at lower total volume. Like they made less money but sold more bikes, which right. is kind of interesting. Um of the of the companies that I follow, I clearly follow follow Harley Davidson's Financial way harder than anybody else. But uh it's just the company that I'm most comfortable with. So a lot of their stuff I can sort I will end up attributing as a global trend when it's not true. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: to kind of round us out here, is there an issue with the motorcycle industry? Yes or no?
1: There's an issue with the American economy.
0: American economy. Okay. That is a whole other uh, podcast.
1: <laughs> so I, and I think that affects, like Josh was saying, that that affects our motorcycle industry. So for us, in our narrow perspective, yeah, there, there is an issue.
2: Josh? Yeah, there's there's an issue. Um, but I don't think it's going to kill the industry. I just think it's going to force it to change a lot.
1: So, That'd be nice, right? Yeah,
0: I think, I think that the... General consensus is there needs to be a lot of change here. Because I do think that the industry has a problem. And I, I don't know if... I think we might see some people pull out of the U.S. market eventually just because they're just like, why the fuck are we trying to sell these bikes to these Americans who don't ride? Sell them dirt bikes. They don't, they don't understand. You know
1: what's funny, though? That makes more sense in a country that is mostly dirt and mountains yeah. and... and um highways you know
0: sadly here in texas there's no public dirt
1: yeah but
2: but yeah if you you look at the off-road market what what side-by-sides have done in the last 10 years is wild i mean they've grown a lot which is the same similar type of activity just lower stakes you know than uh than a, a dirt bike would be
0: very true so guys let us know down below, or I don't know what it looks like if there's comment sections on whatever <laughs> podcast platform you're watching. Cause I'm a YouTube human.
1: Send us an email,
0: <laughs> send us an email to where, wherever the email is on screen. Uh, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll respond to some of these comments, uh, in, in an email form. I think that would actually be kind of fun. So let us know what you think. And, uh, I'm very interested to see what ends up happening. In the future, I think we're, I think the halcyon days of just making whatever the fuck you want and it's selling are behind us. And <laughs> the companies are gonna have to think a little bit harder. Um, which I'm okay for. Uh, with that, I think we'll sign off. Any final words from y'all?
1: Who? No. As,
0: as we go into our <laughs> no, 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 47th no. Oh, minute.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: done talking. I'm I'm done talking. (laughs) We'll catch you guys in the next one. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and we'll see you later.